extra minutes. Good morning. Finally, it took me all that time to unwrap this, so I lost the minutes that I had been given extra in unwrapping and getting ready to speak, but that's all right. It's good to see you all, and it's really been fun to be with you these last few weeks. We're always so very thankful to, to the Assembly at Brantford. You've, you've been so kind and gracious to Joyce and I over the years, and we're just very thankful that we know you. Just very thankful to have a relationship with this assembly over the many, many, many years. It's just, it's just wonderful to, to be here with you again and be able to share a little bit once again from the precious word of God. Last week, actually, when I was here, and this isn't review, but last week when I was here, uh, when I started to speak in the sun, I started to get a little lightheaded. When I was speaking up here last week, I began getting a little lightheaded. I don't think I hydrated enough, perhaps, while before I got up. Or and it took me it took me a good day and a half before I started to feel okay again. So, if I collapse up here, don't worry. Just come up, throw some water on me, and I'll be able to just continue on. I <laughs> I was speaking about how this heat feels like Manila, and it really does. But when I was in Manila in those early days, in that heat, I was in my 30s and 40s. I'm not in my 30s or 40s anymore. So I guess it, it affects me a little bit differently now than it did. Turn to First Peter again, please, with me. First Peter, chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2. And we'll begin reading right at verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him, as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And may the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His word. Father, we acknowledge once again before you that this is indeed your word. So we pray that your spirit would take the thoughts of my heart and from your word to speak to our hearts this morning. May we see the things that you want us to see this morning. And may it be for the glory and the exaltation of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We have over the over the course of our, the last several months, we've been buying our milk from a local, um, it's our local farmer's market. And I've really enjoyed the milk because it is a, a sort of milk that you get to shake. It is pasteurized, but it's not homogenized. And so all the cream kind of rises to the top and you get to shake it. And I remember that from when I was a kid, you know. I remember when the dairy would come and put the little glass bottles in the little milk box in front of the house when I was just a little boy. And you'd get it and you'd always shake it. And to this day, I always shake everything I pick up. Any any kind of, whether it's homogenized or not, the cream I pick up, the light cream, the heavy, I always shake it. And Joyce is always laughing at me because I'm shaking stuff when I pick it up. But I've enjoyed having that milk again. It is pure milk. Whole milk. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there's a test that you can do with whole milk. There's a test you can do to, to prove the quality of the milk that you're drinking. If you take it, it's called the milk slip test. If you take a, a polished surface and rise it up enough where the milk can run down it, if you put a drop of milk, pure milk, on there, it will either stay right where it's put, or it will slowly begin to go down. And as it goes down, it leaves, leaves a trace behind it. So you can see the milky substance behind it as it slowly goes down. Now, if you put diluted milk, or you put low-fat milk, or whatever other stuff, you put a drop on it, it runs right down and barely leaves any trace at all. You can almost not tell it's there if you wait just a couple of seconds because the water line will disappear. But pure milk does not do that. Pure milk will leave an effect, will leave a mark when it's placed on that surface. Hold that thought for just a a couple of minutes. The premise on which these two portions that we've looked at last week and this week are based on the same basic principle, if you will. If you go back to look at the earlier one, you will see, because we were begotten again, we have a living hope. Because we have been begotten again, we have a living hope. We have an inheritance. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. And that's followed by the imperative, be holy, for I am holy. Now, in this passage, based on the fact that you have been born again of incorruptible seed by the Word of God, through the Word of God, 
since you have been born again through corruptible seed, through the Word of God, which lasts and endures forever. It is not like the grass of the field. It endures forever. Therefore, you have hope. And because you have that hope, therefore, lay aside all malice. Lay aside all malice. Lay aside all of these things. Lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And then it leads to the next command, or the next imperative, which is, Crave the milk of the Word. Crave the milk, the pure milk of the world. Of the world. Of, of the Word. Now, you have come to Him again. Before you came to Him as the Redeemer, you came to Him as the one who is the precious Lamb of God, and now you come to Him as the living stone. And both of these were following a similar pattern of belief, of placing faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, having received the hope that is the result of that, and because you have received the hope, you respond to that in ways which are honoring unto God, you lay aside the things of the world, you lay aside the things of evil, and you desire the Lord. You desire to honor the Lord. Now here you find five, actually, five commands, if you will, in these chapters. Five commands that he has given to us as we've studied along. First of all, they were told in 13 to set their hope fully on the grace of God. There is the first imperative. Set your heart, set your heart fully, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you. Secondly, the command was to be holy. Then we said, sorry, the next command was to conduct yourselves in reverence in verse 17. And then he goes on to say, love one another, which is one we looked at last week. Love one another fervently. And now he goes on to instruct them to crave spiritual nourishment. Crave spiritual nourishment. In the same way that children crave, little babies crave milk, you are to desire it, that you may grow. A desire, a craving for spiritual nourishment. You know its value. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who have been set free, those begotten ones, those born again ones of incorruptible seed, you know the value, you know the benefit, you know the worth. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And that word if is a particle of fulfilled condition and kind of means the idea of since. Since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Having tasted, since you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, this comes out of, now we have several quotes that come out of the Old Testament here in this section. There's several that he ties together and links together. They come from different portions of the Word. 
But he links them all together into one cohesive statement of what he wants to declare to the people in, uh, that Peter wants to declare to those saints in the church. Those scattered ones. First, it comes out of Psalm 34. Turn back to Psalm 34, if you will, please. Psalm chapter 34. A psalm that we're all quite familiar with, especially Joyce and I, because the first verses of this psalm, verses 1, 2, and 3, were the words we said to each other on the day we were married. I said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Joyce said, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. And together we said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. But we recognize that this psalm is a psalm of, of trial. It is the psalm that, that David spoke of after he feigned madness before Abimelech. And he saw the deliverance that the Lord was bringing. He says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. You remember that Peter understands and knows the context of from which he is drawing his conclusion. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, verse 4. He delivered me from all my fears. Verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You see what he's drawing here as he comes to that, and we could go further in the context if time allowed, but we will not.
designed to bring us to him that we may have a relationship and a walk with him that is growing and maturing. It's all about relationship. It's not about academic learning. So if you, if you understand the word, good. If the word understands you, good. If you live by it, and there's a trace in your life that you belong to him, best. Best. Be walking with him. That moves us down now into these, this portion where we have these extra quotes. We have three quotes that come out of the Old Testament that we find in these next verses. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. He says, coming to him now, we come to him as the living one. He's the living stone. He was indeed rejected by men. He was the stone which the builders rejected. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. A value. He has value. He has extreme value. He has, I suppose in our sense, ultimate value. He has ultimate value. We come to him. We come to him. Chosen by God and of ultimate supreme value. And you also as living stones are being built up. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. We remember that the stone imagery that we find in Scripture is very important. The stone imagery that we find in Scripture that God gives to us in, in portraying His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is important for us to get a handle on. There are three Old Testament passages right here. Psalm 118, Isaiah 28, Isaiah 8 are all found in this passage. And you'll likely remember, and it's good for us to remember, that Peter in, in uh, Acts chapter 4, when he speaks of the stone which the builders have rejected, speaking to the Sanhedrin there, he obviously is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the stone which you builders have rejected. He has become the chief cornerstone. And he's a rock of stumbling. And then you'll remember that the Lord Jesus Christ himself and every one of the synoptic gospels refers to himself as being that stone which the builders reject. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that stone that the builders rejected. And there's actually seven times in the New Testament where that stone imagery is given to us, referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. We find it again in Romans. We find it again in Ephesians. But he is the light. He is that stone which the builders rejected. Now the first quote goes back to Isaiah 28. So let's turn to Isaiah 28. Keeping an eye on my time. Of course it's running out more quickly than I'm speaking. Let's get here to Isaiah 
28. Now you remember that this portion is dealing with woes that he's putting out to the people of Ephraim and the people of, of Jerusalem. He's warning them and he speaks to them as those who are like drunkards. They're so out of control of themselves. They've so wandered away from the things of God that they are those who are seen as drunkards. Their tables are full of vomit, he says. Awful description he gives them. And we don't have time to look at that. But here's what they say. Here's what these people of Israel say about Isaiah. They say, who will he teach knowledge? Who's he going to teach knowledge to? Now some see this differently, but it appears to be they're speaking to Isaiah. Who is he going to speak knowledge to? To whom will he make us understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Is he treating us like a child? Is he treating us like mere children who have no understanding? No backbone, no understanding? Those just drawn from the breast? Is this who he supposes he's teaching? For precept must be upon precept. One thing upon one thing. Precept upon precept. One truth, one command, little things put on top of another little thing. What does he think we are, babies? We've been studying this thing since our youth. But here he says, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, line upon line, one line of a portion, and that's all you can handle today. I'll give you another line tomorrow. That's the way you taught the children. I'm teaching Lucian how to read. And as I teach Lucian how to read, we go over the same lines over and over again in his little books. Over and over again to reinforce what he's learned. Because sometimes the next day he'll forget what you put in the first day. And line after line after line after line. Little by little. It's interesting how that line after line, some see it as, as what the mason does. As the mason lays out a line as he's building a wall, he lays out a line as a straight line, then he lays down his bricks on that line, and then he moves the line and lays another line. Moves the line, lays another line. And he's building up this wall based on this line. Here a little, there a little. He's building up a line. And if that's true, that's really what he's meaning. And that fits really well with, with the portion of 1 Peter, doesn't it? You are living stones being built up. You are living stones that are being built up to a household, to a house of God. You are little. Line upon line. There a little, there a little. Just giving a little bit of the time. And then the Lord says to their mocking of Isaiah, you mock, but I'm going to send you off into captivity. You're going to go off into a land where there's a foreign language that is being spoken to you. And with stammering tongues, I will come back to you and I will speak to you little by little, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. 
line upon line, here and little, there and little, because that is what you will need in a day to come. That is what you will need in a day to come. Here and little, there and little, that they might go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and caught. Time of judgment is coming for the people of Jerusalem, for the people of Ephraim. And then once he follows that portion, he says, verse 16, Therefore, says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Whoever believes will not act hastily. He will be the one who will trust. He will be the one who will be patient, patiently trusting and waiting on God. The one who has laid the stone has promised he will. Now you remember, and we don't have time, our time is almost gone. Ah, this time gets away, you know. I know you're all roasting out there. I'm a little bit warm up here myself, but there's so much more here. But I want to make one final statement before we can get, we're not even going to get to the other folks. You can look them up yourselves and enjoy the context in which they have found because it's imperative that you do so to understand what Peter is speaking about. These people may go into judgment. They may be, all, all mankind is under the judgment of God. And God is speaking to them. He has sent His Son. His Son has come into this world to save sinners. His Son has come into this world to save sinners. And He says to them, you are living stones. You are living stones being built up a holy, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Behold, I lay in Zion a cornerstone. Everyone, and then he talks about how this stone that they stumble over will be a stone that will actually crush them. The Lord Jesus Christ uses that illustration drawing from Daniel chapter 2. That the stone which they reject, which they stumble over, will actually turn around and crush them. As it does the image of the beast. Which he was alluding to. Which he was speaking of and, and the Lord was speaking of. The Lord Jesus Christ to this day, sometimes we forget this. But the Lord Jesus Christ divides. The Lord Jesus Christ divides. He is divisive. And what do I mean by that? You know what I mean by that. There is only one way of salvation and either you accept the stone and you believe on the stone and you place your faith and trust in him or the stone will crush you. You have no alternative. It's either you believe or you don't believe. You receive or you don't receive. And those who receive are born again, begotten of God, who have hope, who have salvation that will never be taken away from them, that endures forever. But those who refuse, as it says here, they, re they stumble being disobedient to the word. 
You received the word. They're disobedient to the word. And the word disobedient has this idea. It's used in Hebrews in the same way. It has this idea of not being persuaded. They have not been persuaded by it. They heard it. They even heard it proclaimed. But they were not persuaded by it. And there's only one other choice. Come to know Christ as your Savior and your Lord and receive Him into your life. Or reject the stone that the builders rejected, who has become the chief cornerstone. And it's marvelous. Oh, I'm sorry, my brothers and sisters. I'm sorry that we ran out of time. You're not sorry because you're out there waiting, but I'm sorry we ran out of time. There's so many more things in this stone imagery that you will enjoy when you spend time with it. But the Lord Jesus Christ still divides. The Lord Jesus Christ still divides. He doesn't want to send anyone to a lost eternity. He doesn't want the stone to, to fall on anyone. He doesn't want anyone to stumble over the stone. But the fact of the matter is many have and many will stumble over the stone. Even having heard the gospel message, even having heard it proclaimed over and over again, they will never born an incorruptible seed and they stumble over the stone, which will be the foundation of all the God gives. May the Lord have his blessing in his word this morning. Father, we are thankful to you for all that you have done for us in your son. We're thankful for our Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful that he is indeed the stone which the builders reject. And yet he has become the chief cornerstone. Yet he is still a rock of stumbling and of offense. Oh, Father, there are many of this world who still reject the truth and simplicity of the gospel. And one day, that separation will be clearer than ever as the redeemed, those to be with you and the lost, are sent away to a lost eternity forever.